the Bible, the most unique book in all of human history. It claims to be divine in origin, and it delivers a message that, if true, affects every human being on the planet Earth, in this life, and in whatever awaits us when this life is over. The Bible is unique in its survival. Over the past 2,000 years, no other book has been subjected to the intense scrutiny that the Bible has endured. Generations of linguists, historians, and archaeologists have explored the details of the Bible's production and tested the accuracy of its transmission to us today. Critics and foes have come and gone. Problems have been raised and solved, and still the Bible stands. Totally alone in the degree of its historical accuracy and reliability. The Bible is also unique in foretelling future events. The Old Testament alone contains over 2,000 specific predictions about people, cities, nations, and empires. Predictions made hundreds of years before being perfectly fulfilled in history. The Bible is unique in its influence. It's been called the fountainhead of Western civilization and is by far the most quoted text in America's founding documents. Millions of men, women, and children from every station and walk of life have felt the liberating, redeeming power of this book of books, and their changed lives have changed the world and the course of history. The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar is your opportunity to hear this unique book, the entire Bible, every year. Now, here's the host of The Bible Live, Soapy Dollar. We are here. Don't worry. We're in our place. Good evening, everyone. I've been encouraging you for many years to go down to your local pharmacy, your local grocery store, and just find one of these five-subject notebooks like your kids buy for their classes, and then just put down whatever the date is, Friday, January, this or that, and put your wisdom and worship segment, your narrative reading, and then you have that whole page to write down your notes as you listen to the Bible. As we make our way through the Bible together, write it out. Your own responses, your own observations as you listen to the Scriptures, your own questions, the things that catch your attention, that catch your imagination. We're going to pick up tonight in our reading in Numbers chapter 25. We're still talking about this sorcerer named Balaam. One of the kings under duress, threatened by the people of Israel, has hired him to come and put a curse on them. But he's having a hard time doing it. But he does find a way then to weaken the people of Israel. We'll get to our wisdom and worship segment in just a moment. First, I want you to hear from my son, Scott, telling you how you can be a part of our Bible Live ministry team. The Bible Live is an exciting new vision to broadcast the Bible itself to America and the world. First of all, I want to say this is the best show in the world. This program that you put on is just a remarkable program. I don't know if there's any program like it in the U.S. But did you know that you can help put the Bible on the airwaves across America and at the same time receive your own copy of the Bible Live, the entire Bible from Genesis to Revelation on CD? Convenience is the key for me. The Bible Live has really changed my morning commute. My parents gave me the Bible Live CD collection as a gift before I went away to college. I've grown up reading the Bible, but listening to it and having it available to listen as I study or to listen as I clean my dorm room, it's been amazing. Hearing the Bible out loud without the effort or distraction of reading helps me focus on what it actually says. 
Sophie's voice and reading style really bring out the meaning of the text. I like listening to the CDs while I exercise. For every tax-deductible donation of $100 or more to The Bible Live, our thank you gift to you will be our Bible Live CD set, 62 CDs with a convenient carrying case. Visit our website, www.thebiblelive.com, and donate online today. Together we can bring the Bible live to millions who otherwise may never hear its message. And we hope you will go to that website, www.thebiblelive.com. Get to know us a little bit. Hope you might be willing to partner with us at the same time. Pick up that beautiful copy of the Audio Bible, the New Living Translation. Right now, though, let's go and finish our reading of the 33rd Psalm. Because God is Creator, Lord, Savior, and Deliverer, He is worthy of our trust and praise. Psalm 33, verses 13 through 22. The Lord looks down from heaven and sees the whole human race. From His throne He observes all who live on the earth. He made their hearts, so He understands everything they do. The best-equipped army cannot save a king, nor is great strength enough to save a warrior. Don't count on your war horse to give you victory. For all its strength, it cannot save you. But the Lord watches over those who fear Him, those who rely on His unfailing love. He rescues them from death and keeps them alive in times of famine. We depend on the Lord alone to save us. Only He can help us, protecting us like a shield. In Him our hearts rejoice, for we are trusting in His holy name. Let your unfailing love surround us, Lord, for our hope is in You alone. End of reading, Psalm 33, verses 13 through 22. From the rising of the sun. You're listening to The Bible Live with Sophie Dollar. All right, everybody join in now. Keep your eyes on the road. Hands on the wheel. Glad to be back with you now on The Bible Live. Just a little musical reminder of the beauty, the power of that psalm that we read together. The fact that God is faithful, dependable. We can rejoice and we can sing and we can give thanks and praise Him. He is always worthy, always worthy of our praise. Maybe tonight you're kind of out of it spiritually. Maybe you've been away from God or away from the Lord a long time and haven't worshipped and haven't been with God's people. And maybe there's a little bit of guilt, feeling of unworthiness. As you think about the idea of relating to God, well, although we may be unworthy, He is never. And so you can always come to Him with praise, with thanksgiving, with admiration. Begin there, and as uh, the little acronym ACTS, go from adoration to confession and then to thanksgiving and then to supplication. A prayer outline for those of us who are just kind of learning and growing in our prayer lives. Let's go now to the book of Numbers, chapter 25. Balak, this king, has hired Balaam to try to curse the people of Israel. Balaam has just been unwilling, unable, actually. I think he was tempted to do so. There's a lot of money involved in the exchange. But God has just spoken. Even his donkey talked to him one night. Balaam has really been struggling with this, but he's only been able to bless Israel. 
because God actually has been communicating something to him of his plans. And now, though, Balaam will find a way to disrupt the people of Israel. He will tempt them to sin. That is the one thing that can bring them down. Then we're going to go into some numbers where we're going to get the results of this census that is taken before they go into Canaan. And so we'll talk a little bit about the results of that census here on The Bible Live. Numbers 25.1 through 27.11, Numbers 25. While the Israelites were camped at Acacia, some of the men defiled themselves by sleeping with the local Moabite women. These women invited them to attend sacrifices to their gods, and soon the Israelites were feasting with them and worshiping the gods of Moab. Before long, Israel was joining in the worship of Baal of Peor, causing the Lord's anger to blaze against his people. The Lord issued the following command to Moses, Seize all the ringleaders and execute them before the Lord in broad daylight, so his fierce anger will turn away from the people of Israel. So Moses ordered Israel's judges to execute everyone who had joined in worshiping Baal of Peor. Just then, one of the Israelite men brought a Midianite woman into the camp, right before the eyes of Moses and all the people, as they were weeping at the entrance of the tabernacle. When Phinehas, son of Eleazar, and grandson of Aaron the priest, saw this, he jumped up and left the assembly. Then he took a spear and rushed after the man into his tent. Phinehas thrust the spear all the way through the man's body and into the woman's stomach. So the plague against the Israelites was stopped, but not before 24,000 people had died. Then the Lord said to Moses, Phinehas, son of Eleazar, and grandson of Aaron, the priest, has turned my anger away from the Israelites by displaying passionate zeal among them on my behalf. So I have stopped destroying all Israel as I had intended to do in my anger. So tell him that I am making my special covenant of peace with him. In this covenant, he and his descendants will be priests for all time, because he was zealous for his God and made atonement for the people of Israel. The Israelite man killed with the Midianite woman was named Zimri, son of Salu, the leader of a family from the tribe of Simeon. The woman's name was Cosby. She was the daughter of Zur, the leader of a Midianite clan. Then the Lord said to Moses, Attack the Midianites and destroy them, because they assaulted you with deceit by tricking you into worshipping Baal of Peor, and because of Cosby, the daughter of a Midianite leader, who was killed on the day of the plague at Peor. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Numbers 26. After the plague had ended, the Lord said to Moses and to Eleazar, son of Aaron the priest, Take a census of all the men of Israel who are twenty years old or older, to find out how many of each family are of military age. At that time, the entire nation of Israel was camped on the plains of Moab, beside the Jordan River, across from Jericho. So Moses and Eleazar the priest issued these census instructions to the leaders of Israel. Count all the men of Israel, twenty years old and older, just as the Lord commanded Moses. This is the census record of all the descendants of Israel who came out of Egypt. These were the clans descended from Reuben, Jacob's oldest son, the Hanukite clan, named after its ancestor Hanuk, the Paluite clan, named after its ancestor Palu, the Hezronite clan, named after its ancestor Hezron, the Carmite clan, named after its ancestor Carmi. The men from all the clans of Reuben numbered 43,730. Palu was the ancestor of Eliab, and Eliab was the father of Nemuel, Dathan, and Abiram. This Dathan and Abiram are the same community leaders who conspired with Korah against Moses and Aaron, defying the Lord. But the earth opened up and swallowed them with Korah, and 250 of their followers were destroyed that day by fire from the Lord. This served as a warning to the entire nation of Israel. However, the sons of Korah did not die that day. These were the clans descended from the sons of Simeon, the Nemuelite clan named after its ancestor Nemuel, 
the Jaminite clan, named after its ancestor, Jamin, the Jaconite clan, named after its ancestor, Jaquin, the Zerahite clan, named after its ancestor, Zerah, the Shaolite clan, named after its ancestor, Shaul. The men from all the clans of Simeon numbered 22,200. These were the clans descended from the sons of Gad, the Zephonite clan, named after its ancestor, Zephon, the Haggite clan, named after its ancestor, Haggai, the Shunite clan, named after its ancestor, Shuni, the Osnite clan, named after its ancestor, Osni, the Arite clan, named after its ancestor, Eri, the Arodite clan, named after its ancestor, Arodi, the Aralite clan, named after its ancestor, Areli. The men from all the clans of Gad numbered 40,500. Judah had two sons, Ur and Onan, who had died in the land of Canaan. But the following clans descended from Judah's surviving sons. The Shelanite clan, named after its ancestor Shelah. The Perizzite clan, named after its ancestor Perez. The Zerahite clan, named after its ancestor Zerah. These were the subclans descended from the Perizzites. The Hezronite clans, named after their ancestor Hezron. The Hamulites, named after their ancestor Hamul. The men from all the clans of Judah numbered 76,500. These were the clans descended from the sons of Issachar. The Tolaite clan, named after its ancestor Tola. The Puaite clan, named after its ancestor Pua. The Jashubite clan, named after its ancestor Jashub. The Shimronite clan, named after its ancestor Shimron. The men from all the clans of Issachar numbered 64,300. These were the clans descended from the sons of Zebulun. The Seredite clan, named after its ancestor Sered. The Elonite clan, named after its ancestor Elon. The Jalilite clan, named after its ancestor Jalil. The men from all the clans of Zebulun numbered 60,500. You're listening to the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Two clans were descended from Joseph through Manasseh and Ephraim. These were the clans descended from Manasseh. The Machrite clan, named after its ancestor Machir. The Gileadite clan, named after its ancestor Gilead, Machir's son. These were the subclans descended from the Gileadites. The Aezerites, named after their ancestor Aizer. The Helekites, named after their ancestor Helek. The Asrielites, named after their ancestor Asriel. The Shechemites, named after their ancestor Shechem. The Shemidaites, named after their ancestor Shemida. The Heferites, named after their ancestor Hefer. Hefer's son, Zelophehad, had no sons, but his daughter's names were Mala, Noah, Hogla, Milka, and Terza. The men from all the clans of Manasseh numbered 52,700. These were the clans descended from the sons of Ephraim. The Shuthelahite clan, named after its ancestor Shuthela. The Bekerite clan, named after its ancestor Beker. The Tahanite clan, named after its ancestor Tahan. This was the subclan descended from the Shuthelahites. The Aaronites, named after their ancestor Aaron. The men from all the clans of Ephraim numbered 32,500. These clans of Manasseh and Ephraim were all descendants of Joseph. These were the clans descended from the sons of Benjamin. The Belaite clan, named after its ancestor Bela. The Ashbelite clan, named after its ancestor Ashbel. The Ahiramite clan, named after its ancestor Ahiram. The Shufamite clan, named after its ancestor Shufam. The Hufamite clan, named after its ancestor, Hufam. These were the subclans descended from the Belaites. The Ardites, named after their ancestor, Ard. The Namites, named after their ancestor, Naaman. The men from all the clans of Benjamin numbered 45,600. These were the clans descended from the sons of Dan. The Shuamite clan, named after its ancestor, Shuham. 
All the clans of Dan were Shuamite clans, and the men from these clans numbered 64,400. These were the clans descended from the sons of Asher, the Imnite clan named after its ancestor Imna, the Ishvite clan named after its ancestor Ishvi, the Bariite clan named after its ancestor Baria. These were the subclans descended from the Bariites, the Heberites named after their ancestor Heber, the Malkielites named after their ancestor Malkiel. Asher also had a daughter named Sarah. The men from all the clans of Asher numbered 53,400. These were the clans descended from the sons of Naphtali, the Jazilite clan named after its ancestor Jazil, the Gunite clan named after its ancestor Guni, the Jezerite clan named after its ancestor Jezer, the Shilamite clan named after its ancestor Shilam. The men from all the clans of Naphtali numbered 45,400. So the total number of Israelite men counted in the census numbered 601,730. You're listening to the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Then the Lord said to Moses, Divide the land among the tribes in proportion to their populations, as indicated by the census. Give the larger tribes more land and the smaller tribes less land, each group's inheritance reflecting the size of its population. Make sure you assign the land by lot and define the inheritance of each ancestral tribe by means of the census listings. Each inheritance must be assigned by lot among the larger and smaller tribal groups. This is the census record for the Levites who were counted according to their clans. The Gershonite clan named after its ancestor Gershon. The Kohathite clan named after its ancestor Koath. The Merarite clan named after its ancestor Merari. The Libnites, the Hebronites, the Maalites, the Mushites and the Korahites were all subclans of the Levites. Now Koath was the ancestor of Amram, and Amram's wife was named Jochebed. She also was a descendant of Levi, born among the Levites in the land of Egypt. Amram and Jochebed became the parents of Aaron, Moses, and their sister Miriam. To Aaron were born Nadab, Abihu, Eleazar, and Ithamar. But Nadab and Abihu died when they burned before the Lord a different kind of fire than he had commanded. The men from the Levite clans who were one month old or older numbered 23,000. But the Levites were not included in the total census figure of the people of Israel because they were not given an inheritance of land when it was divided among the Israelites. So these are the census figures of the people of Israel as prepared by Moses and Eleazar the priest on the plains of Moab beside the Jordan River across from Jericho. Not one person that Moses and Aaron counted in this census had been among those counted in the previous census taken in the wilderness of Sinai. For the Lord had said of them, They will all die in the wilderness. The only exceptions were Caleb son of Jephunneh and Joshua son of Nun. Numbers 27 One day a petition was presented by the daughters of Zelophehad, Mala, Noah, Hogla, Milka, and Terza. Their father Zelophehad was the son of Hefer, son of Gilead, son of Machir, son of Manasseh, son of Joseph. These women went and stood before Moses, Eleazar the priest, the tribal leaders, and the entire community at the entrance of the tabernacle. Our father died in the wilderness without leaving any sons, they said, but he was not among Korah's followers who rebelled against the Lord. He died because of his own sin. Why should the name of our father disappear just because he had no sons? Give us property along with the rest of our relatives. So Moses brought their case before the Lord, and the Lord replied to Moses, The daughters of Zelophehad are right. You must give them an inheritance of land along with their father's relatives. Assign them the property that would have been given to their father. Moreover, announce this to the people of Israel. If a man dies and has no sons, 
then give his inheritance to his daughters. And if he has no daughters, turn his inheritance over to his brothers. If he has no brothers, give his inheritance to his father's brothers. But if his father has no brothers, pass on his inheritance to the nearest relative in his clan. The Israelites must observe this as a general legal requirement, just as the Lord commanded Moses. End of reading, Numbers 25, 1 through 27, 11. Listening to the Bible live with Soapy Dollar. There are a couple of stories in our reading tonight. One is the seduction of Israel, the Moabites, under the leadership now of Balaam. Balaam is the one who gives them this idea that, look, God is on their side. The only way you can really defeat Israel is if we can get them to sin, if we can get them to fall into immorality or in in some way disobey their God. This is a very tactical decision. This is a real well-thought-out strategy to cause the people of Israel to stumble and fall and to be defeated. We see that if you go to Numbers chapter 31, Balaam is going to be killed in battle, and Eliezer, the priest, the son of Aaron, he's going to lay out the fact that this was very intentional. The Bible doesn't say how the Israelite men got involved in sexual immorality. We do know that prostitution was a common practice among the Canaanite religions. The Israelites didn't think about worshiping idols. They were just interested in sex. But before long, they started attending local feasts, meeting the family at family celebrations. Then they got involved slowly in idol worship. Soon they were in over their heads, and they were absorbed into the practices of the pagan culture. So their desire for fun and pleasure caused them to loosen their spiritual commitment and fall deeply into a life practice of not obeying the Lord. Maybe you've had that experience at some time as well of relaxing your standards in order to justify your desires for pleasure, for entertainment, popularity, or whatever. That's something that we should all take a look at. But that was the strategy laid out by Balaam, who led the people into this kind of exercise. This listing of the people by their clans and the numbering ends with the story of these daughters of Zelophehad. I do want to mention these daughters of Zelophehad. I think that's wonderful that they had the faith to come forward and that there's flexibility here. Moses heard their case, and there was a change. There was a willingness to make a transition to honor them and to allow a man, if he died without sons, his inheritance would go to his daughters, but only if they married within their own tribe. Probably that was so that the territorial lines between the different tribes would remain intact. So we see flexibility here when it made sense and when it seemed just. Now, 38 years, as we mentioned, had elapsed since the first great census was recorded in chapters 1 and 2 of Numbers. 38 years had gone by. We made that jump in chapter 20. But during that time, every Israelite man and woman 20 years old and over, except Caleb, Joshua, and Moses, had died. I remember one of our listeners one time said, well, that didn't include the women. I'm not sure about that. It seems that the whole generation had died away. And yet, in spite of that great transition, 
God's laws and the spiritual character of the nation were still fundamentally intact. They were solid. Remember we talked about Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers as being a huge experiment in nation building. God is showing how a nation is established, how a nation can be grounded, given traditions and given a foundation that would cause it to last and endure. This is actually a very quiet but powerful miracle that we're observing here. The whole nation moved from one land to another, from Egypt out into the Arabian Desert, the Sinai Peninsula. They lost its entire adult population and yet managed to maintain its fundamental identity as a people and its spiritual direction. Sometimes it may feel like to many of us as we think of our own nation of America, the ups and downs and the backwards and the forwards that we go through as a nation. It may feel like God isn't working miracles in our lives. We don't see the hand of God so clearly as we would wish. But God often works in quiet ways to bring about his long-range purposes. Well, I have one, I think, helpful and encouraging observation and conclusion out of the reading tonight. As I mentioned, we were looking at quite a sociological miracle, the hanging together of the people of Israel, the way God sustained this entire nation of thousands and thousands of, of men and women over this time of transition from one generation to another and so on. So God is able, to, without any doubt, to macro-manage the whole human race and so on. But then we end up with this story of these five women, this one little family that had a crisis, that had a difficulty, and God is also able to respond to them and their individual personal needs. I find that encouraging in our world today as well. The Bible Live with Sophie Dollar. Sophie reads from the New Living Translation by Tyndale House Publishers. The Bible Live is dedicated to helping promote spiritual revival across America, and your financial support is needed. Please mail your tax-deductible gift to The Bible Live, Post Office Box 18888. That's The Bible Live, P.O. Box 18888, San Antonio, Texas, 78218. You may also make credit card donations at the ministry website, thebiblelive.com. Now don't forget, join us each weekday for The Bible Live with Sophie Dollar. Start today and in one year's time, we will read and respond together to the entire Bible. Let the most important word you hear each day be God's word. 